everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Richard Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Deb Johnston to answer your medical questions. Dr. Johnston's specialty is family medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Johnston. Good morning, Laura. It's really good to be here with you today. Thanks for being here. And we have to say we're here wearing our mask today because we're sitting yep. kind of close. But I in can still see room. that smile in her eyes and it's, ha- it's good to be with you. It's very nice to be here together. And we have um, a medical student guest with us today as well. Now she's, this is her second time, so she's a pro on here. But if you missed her last time, um, Kate, will you introduce yourself again to our listeners? Sure. So hi, everybody out there. I'm Kate Wolagowski. I'm a fourth year medical student at the University of South Dakota. And I'm here in town doing a rural family medicine rotation. I was really excited about that because I'm a Brookings native. So I get to come home and do my rotation here. Absolutely. I bet your family is happy to have you around. It was definitely nice. I've been in my parents' basement. We're doing some social distancing okay. because I'm in the clinic, but yes, it's nice to see them. Yes, absolutely. Where do you go next from here? From next, I will be back in Sioux Falls, where, is where that's where I do most of my rotations. Yes. Um, and I will be at Avera Behavioral Health doing psychiatry. Okay, excellent. Such a great program for medical school that you get exposure to all these different specialties and what that looks like and a little bit of time in each of those. That's really great. I'm, I'm guessing that uh, most South Dakotans find it somewhat amusing to think that Brookings is considered rural <laughs> because compared to much of South Dakota, we are really not very rural either uh, as a community or certainly as a medical community. So um, for most of the country, yes, we're rural, but for uh, South Dakota, we're really pretty urban. <laughs> Yeah, yes. We have a lot of great medicine happening here, though, don't we? So. Oh, absolutely. We're, we're really not very rural from a, a medical standpoint, especially with our multiple specialties that are available full-time in town and, and the outreach that's pretty frequent and the things that we offer at, at our local hospital. We're really not a very rural uh, setting. Right, right. Absolutely. We have lots of tools and Um, things available to us here. Yes. We're going to be talking about some of those tools today. We're going to be talking about radiology today. That's our Prairie Doc topic this week. So if you have any questions specific to radiology, such as ultrasounds, x-rays, different um, procedures like that, we'd love to have you give us a call. Um, We're going to be taking our first break shortly, and then we will dive into those questions. Um, If you have questions other than radiology, those are always encouraged as well. So we'll be going to our first break shortly. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. The grass is growing and that means it's time to mow. Please remember these safety measures to protect your health. Wear goggles, hearing protection, gloves, and long pants. Always wear sturdy closed-toed shoes while mowing the lawn. 
Do not drink alcohol or use other substances before or while using your lawnmower. Do not remove safety devices or guards on the mower and never insert hands or feet into the mower to remove grass or debris. Parents, teach these safety measures to your children. This safety tip is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Prairie Doc Radio, I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Deb Johnston is here to discuss your medical questions. We're also joined by medical student Kate Walagoski. You may give us a call at 605-692-1430 with your medical questions. We did have a question come in. I'm just going to jump right on that one before we dive into radiology. And they are asking, what are the symptoms of West Nile? Kate, what do they teach you about West Nile in medical school? The Mm -hmm. biggest thing that is kind of the memory jog right there is West Nile, uh, mosquitoes, um, and then encephalitis, which is inflammation around the brain is something that... Yes, can come up with West Nile, but there are other symptoms as well. There are other symptoms, and and that's exactly right. Um, West Nile is a mosquito-borne uh, infection that we sometimes see around here, uh, so it's why it's really important to keep the standing water away from your your property. Um, the city does a pretty good job most of the time spraying, and I really haven't seen a lot of uh, a lot of mosquitoes around lately. So that's that's a good job. Of course, we haven't had quite the water that we had last year, so that's very helpful. Mm -hmm. The most concerning thing about West Nile is the West Nile encephalopathy. So uh, that's almost like a form of meningitis. Uh, People will have often fevers, terrible headaches, uh, body aches. Uh, Confusion is one of the hallmark symptoms of that. And a lot of times people need to be hospitalized or not a lot of times, I guess, because it's really a pretty small minority of people that um, that will end up in that position. But uh, there's no specific treatment for West Nile. It's just supportive cares and kind of waiting it out uh, and helping you know people manage the symptoms until they do. So body aches, fatigue, uh, those are pretty common uh, symptoms. And if we test blood to say this person has had West Nile, we'll find a lot of people who have had it and didn't ever really realize it. So we focus a lot on the really severe symptoms, uh, but the more mild symptoms sometimes escape our notice. Uh, And since there is no specific treatment, uh, you don't necessarily need to come in unless you're feeling really poorly. Okay. And my understanding is it something that can kind of linger, like this is kind of an on- long it can process. It can be a very long process, particularly with the encephalitis. And um, a lot of people, even very long after they've had it, years after they had it, will find that, um, you know, they still have a little bit of their memory's not quite it was what it was, their concentration's not quite what it was, um, they tire more easily than they used to. So there can be some real lingering effects of this. Um, and to, to bring that back to one of my current favorite topics, you know, West Nile was a pretty new disease to us 10 years ago or so when it first came out. And uh, we've learned a lot in the next 10 years, and we've certainly learned a lot about how some people 
uh, are permanently changed by that disease, and that's something that uh, we have a lot of concern about uh, for COVID, too, that there could be permanent consequences uh, for people. So there's just a lot we don't know yet about COVID, just like there was a lot we didn't know, and, and certainly things we still don't know about West Nile. Uh, there's always room for us to learn more, but... Um, you know, it's a scary position to have a new disease that is going to affect a lot of people. That's a good perspective. Ten years ago, we didn't know that much about West Nile, and, and we're, what we have learned, yep. um, sometimes slowly, sometimes more quickly, but yep. uh, what we are learning. And when we want to talk about prevention of West Nile, um, what would be things to think about? Again, keeping away, keeping the standing water away, so we want to minimize the number of mosquitoes that are out there. Mm -hmm. So uh, mosquitoes like standing still water, so uh, empty out your kid's, you know, backyard swimming pool when when they're done with it. Uh, Don't leave um, water that's particularly water that doesn't have motion uh, sitting around. Use bug spray when you're out. Keep covered up. Avoid the times of day when mosquitoes really, really like to be out. Um, and of course, the city has a big role to play with spraying the way they they do. So mm-hmm. we've been doing quite a bit of planting at our house, landscape planting, and I had a couple buckets sitting out with some water in them. And my husband said, "We got to dump those yeah. out. Breed <laughs> mosquitoes there." So. Yes, be mindful of that still water sitting around and get rid of that. Absolutely right. Yeah, very good. All right. Well, let's dive into radiology. Um, Could you start by just giving us an introduction to what radiology is? So fundamentally, radiology uh, involves any of the tools we have to look inside the body um, without obviously opening it up. Uh, So x-rays were kind of the the initial form of radiology. Uh, We have ultrasound, we have MRIs. Um, You know, you can think about a CAT scan, but that's fundamentally a a radiology and x-ray tool. It's just a new uh, delivery system and way of interpreting that. Uh, So it is a very important tool that we have, and it it should be a supplement to what uh, we are learning from talking to the patient and examining the patient. But sometimes it is um, a really fundamental tool for us in in learning things and understanding what's going on for people. And I was very interested when we were talking about this a little bit beforehand. Uh, Kate had some experiences with uh, doing what we call bedside ultrasounds, which is not something that was uh, really a thing when I was in medical school. Uh, if you wanted to do an ultrasound at the bedside, you had to bring the whole great big machine uh, down there, and there was very limited use of that. So, um, Kate, do you want to talk about what ultrasound can show us and what you guys uh, were learning and what you've seen done? Sure. So, ultrasound might be familiar to some mostly th- from obstetrics or during pregnancy. Um, ultrasound's often used to look at the baby. But now we've been able to use it for really almost any part of the body. Um, Like Dr. Johnston said, the machines used to be quite a bit larger. Now they're really the size of like a rolling computer desk with a laptop on top of it. So in medical education now, we've actually been learning how to use those point of care or bedside ultrasounds. Some advantages, there's no radiation involved with that. Um, Once you put the probe on somebody, you can see the imaging right away. You don't have to wait for a scan. Um, And there's still quite a lot of training involved. It's not something you can just kind of pull out and 
and know what you're seeing right away. Um, but we did have some coursework where we sat down and lectures kind of went over the technology behind it. And then we did get to practice ultrasounds on each other um, <laughs> as students. And That's the f fundamental technique, yes. training technique in medical school <laughs> is practicing things on each other. Exactly. Being each other's patients. Usually other students are your first patients. Um, and then they've kind of incorporated into training. So we've, we do some testing where we have practical testing and we have standardized patients or people pretending to be a real patient. And I know one of those tests, we had to sit them down, explain our ultrasound. We actually um, ultrasounded their kidney and then we had to measure it, save that, show that we could do that. Um, so it's really incorporated now into the training. And then I've also seen it where some of the attending physicians in the hospital are even able to have this technology through their cell phones. So they have a little attachment um, and they're able to just sit with their patients and they can look at fluid around the lungs. They could look at fluid around the heart, um, like I mentioned, kidneys. Um, Sometimes things in the bowel are not as easy to differentiate, but some of those, what we call kind of solid organs, the things in your body that really do well with this technology, it's kind of amazing what you can see and, and you just see it right there. And then it, it helps mm -hmm. with what you're deciding to do with that patient in real time. It is important to recognize that all of these techniques have different strengths and weaknesses. So I might see something on an ultrasound, but then I need to get a CAT scan because I can, I can see it differently and I can get more information about it. So they're not all, you can't substitute ultrasounds for mm -hmm. everything. Um, there's a lot ultrasound can do. There's a lot ultrasound can't do. There's a lot CAT scans can do. There's a lot CAT scans can't do. Um, the same with MRIs. So there are patient factors. For example, if, if you have metal in your body, although a lot of um, medical metals, so artificial hips and those kinds of things aren't going to be pulled out of your body by the MRI the way uh, iron shavings that, that you might have might be. Uh, but it makes it really, really difficult to see what you're trying to see with, um, with the MRI, with the technology. The, the noise from the metal makes it impossible to see. So there's, there's factors both for the individual person and characteristics of the technology that make, um, that make a difference too. But it's a very, very useful tool. All right. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. Our programs are available on Apple Podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Being alone or with very limited social interactions during the pandemic can be difficult. With some effort on your part, there are some ways to decrease the effects of isolation. Keep a schedule. Stay active. Do something meaningful like working on your genealogy or organizing photo albums. Connect with others by letter, email, phone, Zoom, or try online games. Find comfort in old movies or lighting a candle and having a cup of tea. These are just a few ideas to get you thinking. 
You can do this. If you find your loneliness getting out of hand with feelings of depression, call your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings at 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Deb Johnston and medical student Kate Walagoski are here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. We've been talking about radiology today. That's our Prairie Doc topic this week. Um, And related to that area is mammograms. Um, What is the recommendation now um, for mammograms? So the recommendations, as with a lot of things in medicine, even when it's something like breast cancer that's been around forever, uh, recommendations tend to change over time. One of my favorite examples is pap smears. Uh, when when I was a medical student, everybody and before everybody got a Pap smear as soon as they became sexually active or at 21, everybody got a Pap smear every year, and now we look at doing Pap smears every three years, maybe every five years. We combine the test with looking for evidence of uh, the HPV virus. Um, we don't start until 21. Um, there's there's just a lot of of changes that have happened in the course of of my medical lifetime. And similarly with mammograms, uh, when I started, it was at age 50 every year, um, and a baseline at 35. And now we kind of, for the average risk woman, uh, starting at 40, you may start at 40. Um, It's a little less clear about how often to do those. Uh, Starting at 50, they recommend every one to two years. And this is where a lot of the national organizations have kind of waffled. Some of them say one year, some of them say two years. Some of that is based on knowing that a lot of the things that turn up on a mammogram turn out not to be cancer and that there's a lot of expense involved in tracking those things down. And there's a lot of anxiety for the person who's been told that she has an abnormal mammogram. So if you do a test every two years instead of every one year, a higher percentage of what you find is going to be significant because if it would have been significant a year ago, it's still going to be significant now. And now we've got a whole nother year of significant findings that are adding up. So at a minimum, you should do every two years, depending on the individual and their own personal preference. Um, Would I rather know that I caught this as soon as possible? Or would I rather not um, have the anxiety of of having something that turned out to be nothing? Uh, We'll go every one to two years after the age of 50. And of course, you're going to find very passionate people people of good faith, people who've looked at the same data and come to different conclusions on both the every one year and the every two year uh, standpoint. I tend to be an every one year person. Um, Personally, I get my mammogram every year, uh, but I also tend to favor that for my patients. But it is a decision that the patient and I make together. Mm -hmm. Another thing that uh, we do uh, mammograms have certainly changed a lot in the course of my my time. Um, they're digital now as opposed to, to 
just plain x-ray, you know, like you saw on Marcus Welby with the x-ray film up on the on the box. Uh, they sometimes will use contrast to enhance them. Uh, we will use MRIs on breast lesions sometimes to help uh, determine how high risk the situation is. People that are at particularly high risk for breast cancer may get um, MRI every other year or every year. So uh, there's a lot of nuance in doing the mammograms that wasn't there or doing breast cancer screening, I should say. A lot more nuance now than there was 20 years ago when I started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. I think for all of the all of these different radiology um, tools and techniques, I'm sure how much they've progressed in recent years. I just think of even my computer screen, how that yes. has changed, <laughs> and our TV screen. So, I'm sure that what we're able to see now is so much more clear, so much and different. precise. And the nuances of which test needs this kind of contrast and which test needs that kind of contrast based on what you're list looking for, it's not at all uncommon for me to call the radiologists and say, okay, this is, this is what I'm worried about. What is my best test mm -hmm. to help me find this? As physicians, you are always working as a team. You yes. mentioned calling the radiologist. How does that kind of work if, um, if with, with, as you work with your patients, um, are they able to do a lot of these um, test and imaging here in Brookings, um, and how does that kind of work? There's an awful lot that we can do here in Brookings. Um, you know, sometimes there's limitations in uh, the machine that we may have. Um, sometimes there's limitations in, in needing to have staff that has special training. Sometimes the radiologist kind of wants to be there um, either in person or able to kind of immediately look at this and say, okay, go go find me that, go look at this angle. Um, so there are certainly some things that we, we don't do here in Brookings, but Certainly, all of the uh, routine, um, vast majority of testing we can do here in Brookings. Um, there's some limitations, for example, uh, particularly with pediatric kids. Um, we don't, for example, do uh, ultrasounds of the spine. Uh, every once in a while, I'll have a baby who's born and has uh, a finding on their low back that makes me want to be sure that the spine formed correctly. And our best test for that is an ultrasound. And we will uh, need to go to Sioux Falls to, to do that where the pediatric um, radiologist is and uh, they have the proper equipment and um, another example in infancy is sometimes we'll find uh, circumstances where we suspect that the baby's hips didn't form correctly and then those children will get an ultrasound to look at the hip so that if we can figure out that yes indeed this hip didn't form correctly then the baby can wear a funky little harness for a while and and the hip forms with the help of that and they go on to have normal hips if we don't figure it out uh, they end up needing hip replacements very relatively early in life all right well it's time for us to go to our final break we will return following this informative message from the avera medical group be aware with warmer weather you may find ticks ticks live in grassy bushy or wooded areas Spending time outside walking your dog, camping, gardening, or hunting can bring you in close contact with ticks. To prevent ticks from attaching, treat your clothes and gear with products containing 0.5% permethrin. 
Permethrin can be used to treat boots, clothing, and camping gear and remains protective through several washings. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Dr. Deb Johnston is here along with medical student Kate Walagoski to discuss your medical questions. We've been talking about radiology and the different tools available as physicians work on diagnosing and um, figuring out what's going on inside our body without having to open us up. Just look inside with all these different amazing tools. And this actually pulls me back to COVID because uh, one of the things that we have found with COVID is that often uh, we will find it in the course of looking at something else. You'll have a, a person, for example, who who fell and uh gets a CAT scan of their lungs and we see the damage that the COVID has done to their lungs and they may not have had any obvious respiratory symptoms or fever at that point. So, um, of course, everything brings me back to COVID right now. So it's top of mind, for <laughs> it's sure. It's top of everybody's mind and, and it should be top of our mind, right, Kate? Right. Absolutely. It's, right. it's potentially a very dangerous disease. We don't know a lot about it. Yes, there are uh, people that are going to get COVID and, and have nothing more than kind of a mild cold and uh, not have any obvious ongoing problems, but there are people who are going to die from COVID. Mm-hmm. So, and we can't always predict who that's going to be. Um, it, it might be me, it might be you, it might be my 14-year-old daughter. Um, we know that some people are higher risk, but nobody is immune. Mm-hmm. So we all need to be taking this very seriously and wearing our masks. when, Whenever we're going to be within six feet for more than 15 minutes, anyone who's not in our household, we need to be wearing a mask. So please, everybody, wear your masks in Walmart, wear your masks in, in Hy-Vee, wear your masks when you go out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the science is really telling us to wear those masks, yes. right? And, and the ma- it's important to recognize that my mask may not do much to protect me. Well, the one I'm wearing right now is medical grade because that's what I had on in the clinic. Um, so it does a little bit better at protecting me, but mostly my mask is protecting you. It's protecting Bob. It's protecting Laura. It's protecting Kate because it's keeping my germs close to me. So my mask protects me or my mask protects you, your mask protects me. So you may not be worried about COVID. You may think, well, I'm young and healthy and I'll take my chances. But the person next to you in line um, may have a lot of, of comorbidities. Even if they look perfectly young and healthy, they might have cancer. They might be on medicine that makes their immune system not work very well. They might have a heart disease. Please wear your masks, protect your neighbors. That's the only way we're going to get through this thing without people dying, without needing to. Mm-hmm. We're seeing some more numbers uh, recently. We've been seeing a few more numbers here yep. in Brookings. We're, we're seeing rising rates here in Brookings. We're seeing rising rates in South Dakota in general. And it's, you know, it'd be nice to think we could keep it in in New York. Well, obviously, we didn't keep it in New York. It's, it's overwhelming this system in Florida and Arizona and Texas. It's going to spread, um, so we all need to do our part to slow that down and minimize that. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're all anxious to get back to to normal, but it's going to be a while, and we just have to be find a, a 
balance to what life looks like right now. Yeah. And we, we need to figure out a new normal and the best way to do our, our normal activities without increasing risks. Right. Excellent. Well, thank you, Dr. Johnston and Kate, for being here today and sharing some great information with us on radiology, on COVID, on West Nile. Covered a variety of topics today. Before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. This week's On Call with the Prairie Doc Summer Encore Show covers diagnosing and treating with radiology. Originally broadcast on October 17, 2019, this episode features our Prairie Doc host, Richard Holm, with guest Dr. Joshua Plority and Dr. Jay Patel, both of Avera Medical Group Radiology Sioux Falls. During the show, viewers will see how the practice of interventional radiology provides life-saving procedures for a variety of medical concerns. Watch the full episode this Thursday at 7 p.m. Central on South Dakota Public Broadcasting or on the Prairie Doc Facebook page. We hope, also hope you caught this week's Prairie Doc essay by Dr. Jennifer May. She's a rheumatologist in Rapid City and serves on the Healing Words Foundation Board of Directors. She describes to us how these different radiology procedures work and how they're not always black and white as well. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Deb Johnston for joining us today and to Kate Walagoski. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.